0: Welcome everyone. This is the Life and Lit podcast, episode one. I'm Sydney and we've got co-host Paige and we're going to just start off telling a little bit about ourselves and how we came up with this podcast idea And then we'll dive right into our first episode and our first book. So first up, um, I'm Sydney. I live in a small town in Southern Illinois, absolutely nowhere near Chicago, closer to Kentucky, actually. Um, By day, I work in an ag business, um, doing education and political lobbying and advocacy for agriculture and farmers in Southern Illinois. And then in my spare time, I love to travel, um, spend time outdoors, riding my horse, gardening, and reading, of course, which is how we are starting this podcast.
1: Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Paige. I'm the co-host for Life and Lit. I grew up with Sydney. We grew up in the same small town in Southern Illinois, but I have since moved out to Northern Virginia, just across the Potomac from Washington, D.C., Um, I actually moved out here at the beginning of COVID, which was risky and as stressful as you can imagine, but I graduated in July 2020 with my master's degree, and I moved out here for my job. So by day, I work in a cancer center for radiation oncology, and I work with the doctors to come up with patient treatment plans. And then after work, in order to kind of relax and de-stress after the day, I, of course, love to read. I love to watch movies. I also have a horse. Uh, That's how Sydney and I first became friends. And so I ride him. I love to spend time outside when it's not, you know, 20 degrees and snowing like it is today. And I love, love, love to travel when the world is open again. Um, So, Yeah. Let's get started with our yeah. first book.
0: Yeah, so first up is a book that we both just recently read or listened to. I'm a huge fan of Audible, so I actually listened to this book um a couple weeks ago and I think I was texting Paige the whole time like you need to read this book so that we can talk about it because it was so good. It's such a good book. So, the book that we're talking about is The Rose Code by Kate Quinn. So Paige, tell us a little bit about what it's about.
1: Yes, absolutely. You were convincing me from, I think, the moment you started it on Audible to read this book, which it doesn't take a lot of convincing on my part to read a World War II historical <laughs> fiction book. That is <laughs> one of my favorite genres. Um, so The Rose Code by Kate Quinn, who is just, if if you haven't read any of her books, she is an amazing historical fiction writer, mostly World War II But she's she's just incredible. So this is one of her many incredible books. So The Rose Code is set in the 1940s and it follows three female protagonists, Osla, Mabel and Beth, as they help fight the war from Bletchley Park. Bletchley Park is the site where the best minds in Britain work to break German military codes. Osla, a vivacious Lond- London debutante, Mabel, a self-made woman from London's East End, and shy and, and Beth, a shy but brilliant mind from Bletchley Village, become unlikely friends in their quest to prove themselves in the war effort. However, an impossible secret will soon tear the three apart. Set simultaneously in the year 1947, before the wedding of, pr- of Princess Elizabeth and Prince Philip, is fast approaching when Ozla and Mab receive an ominous letter from Beth. The three estranged friends are left to solve one last code together before it's too late. Perfect.
0: I think that perfectly sums it it up. Um, This book has everything that I love in a book, which is, one, historical fiction, two, strong female leads, and three, a little bit of, like, mystery, thriller aspect um, and that's what I liked about this book was that it kept me guessing until the very end. I normally like to try to outsmart the book and the yes. author and like yes. figure out what the twist is. And this one kept me going until pretty much the very end. So,
1: absolutely. I, loved it. I guess we should preface here. If this is all you want to know about the book, you know, thank you for listening to the first five minutes of episode <laughs> one. But we, spoiler alert we will discuss the entire book including the ending and the twist so if you want to pause the episode go read the book because we've convinced you already and then come back and listen to our take on it that's great otherwise spoiler spoiler alert from here on out we are going to fully discuss the plot and characters and everything that happens in this book
0: Good call. I'm glad you remembered that because I was ready to just jump right in, but yes. (laughs) I was like,
1: Sydney's about to give away the big twist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're right. We're going for it because (laughs) that's kind of what I had hoped for for this podcast was it was just going to be two friends talking about the book and all the ins and outs of it. So if you haven't read it or any books that we're going to talk about from here on out, um, just beware. We might give some things away, but it's so good that after you read it, I'm sure you'll want to come back and listen to us talk about it and talk Absolutely. about it. Absolutely, It's amazing. So I guess we'll get in to the first thing, like which one of the girls is your favorite or what, what are your take on the three girls?
1: <laughs> I have very strong opinions <laughs> about all Same. three girls. Same. All three. I mean... <laughs> Obviously, I feel like my favorite. I'm actually torn between Ozla and Mabel, but I would probably skew a little bit toward Ozla as my overall favorite because I, I felt I kind of connected with her where she wanted to defy expectations, but the men in her field kind of put her down. You know, just being in the science field and the medical field, I identified with that. Like, no matter how hard she worked, there was always something that put her down because, you know, she's a woman or she dressed nice or, you know, something like that. I identified with her on that level. And then her romance storyline. Oh. Oh <laughs> I just gosh. loved it. <laughs> that was one of
0: the my favorite parts of this book as, like, a side story but I loved it. Yes. And it, this is embarrassing. It took me a while to figure out that the person that they were like, Prince Philip, who they kept yes. talking about, I was like, man, that really sounds like Prince Philip, like the queen's husband. And I thought, no, there's no way. <laughs> well, turns out that's who it was. And then I went down a whole internet rabbit hole. <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved that little note. It also coincided that I was watching the crown.
1: Oh, finishing yeah. up season okay. four
0: while I was listening to this so it just made me even more invested in the whole British royalty
1: aspect. And it's Prince Philip before his crown days you know so yes. it's something <laughs> undiscovered about him for me. Um, Asma is based on one of his previous girlfriends before he married uh, Queen Elizabeth but I should I will give you the benefit of the doubt that you listened to this on Audible that you didn't figure it out because every few chapters it's you know the countdown to the royal wedding <laughs> so. well
0: i mean i know but i was like i still didn't know that we were that much into the history part okay. of historical fiction like i thought okay. it was yeah i mean I i'll give you that, the medicine, was... that
1: would...
0: <laughs> okay i know listen <laughs> i was just so invested that i was like there's no way there's no way they're talking about it. and i didn't know I mean, obviously, watching The Crown, it's so invested in Philip and Elizabeth that I never even thought about his life before. So it was really cool. And yeah, when I found out that this was based on a real life Osla who worked at Bletchley Park and was one of his girlfriends, that was like, that was the coolest part of the whole book, I think, was knowing that that really happened and and the tie-ins to real life.
1: Yes, each protagonist was based, they're not, you know real people but they are based on real people um so I thought that was really cool you can tell how much research that Kate Quinn did to have them come off so realistic because I was half convinced I could google their names and have them come up in actual you know newspaper articles or as real people that's how real they felt to me so I really that's another reason I just loved this book everybody in the book felt real because they were based on real people
0: I agree. And that's one of the things that I wrote on my notes. I literally wrote, felt very real. Yes. Because I feel like the characters and then also how they depicted the friendships yes. and how they all were from different backgrounds and they still got along, but they also still had their differences. Like there was a, quite a bit of conflict yeah
1: very realistic we keep using that word realistic real yeah but that's true that's (laughs) truly how it feels because you can kind of relate to each person you know I probably related the most to Aza with you know trying to prove herself in that field but then Mabel who she was also very inspiring to me because she had to rise like from improve her herself from her background in a different way that Osla did because Osla is like the debutante the rich girl that everyone thinks is you know just flirty and fun not to be taken seriously and then there's Mabel who came from the poor background and she had to prove that she belonged in the class with Osla and all the great minds at Bletchley Park but then I also feel like she judges herself more harshly than others in order to not be judged by them
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I agree. Because, and I feel like the pressure was a lot more on Mab or Mabel because she, like, this was her ticket out of where she grew up and having to go back to do the same old thing that her siblings had done and her mom before her had done. And so I feel like there was a lot more pressure on that. Um, I think she was my favorite.
1: I... It was, it, was really, Ozla it was
0: really it was really hard to
1: choose between the two and yeah, I think I'd, maybe on any given day I would tell you different <laughs> differently um, but yeah I loved Mab too like her story was really inspiring and yeah. but just so different from Osla I loved yeah. that they were all so different but you could relate to small parts of their personal storylines
0: yes and so okay we've picked our two out of the three because i think we can both agree that beth (laughs) is not the
1: favorite (laughs) she's not my favorite Uh, i want i wanted to like her (laughs) (laughs) i tried really hard to like beth okay yeah i really hard and not a very empathetic character
0: yes i felt for Beth at the beginning and yes. I really was like this is going to be great because she also came from a very strict upbringing yes. of, like You felt European. bad for her?
1: Yes. But then I didn't grow to like her ever. Same. She I kind did of not got agree. worse as it as she as the book went on. She kind of got worse.
0: Oh, for sure. I did <laughs> not agree with a lot like she came out of her shell a lot which I appreciated yes. and I was really proud of her because she's very like shy introvert just lived yes. at home with her
1: parents never She's, she stood out, up never... for herself she discovered who she was as a person I'm just I didn't like the person she <laughs> discovered herself to be
0: <laughs> that's a great way <laughs> to put it yeah she made some um bad choices yes starting with sleeping with or hooking up with a married dude like oh
1: yeah which that's, I understand it was, oh, no I understand it was an open relationship but still, but, yeah, that's you're just kind of yucky. <laughs> you're just setting yourself up for a heartbreak and conflicts there, dear Beth. Um, and then the big kicker, obviously,
0: when she knew she broke the code on an, an impending attack, yes, to a town that Mab and Oslo were going to. Mab and her new husband and, and her little sister slash, slash daughter. daughter. Spoiler on that. And she knew that the town was getting attacked and did not warn them in time.
1: That and is unforgivable. Yeah. That's
0: where that's that is the one thing to me that felt a little like it felt unrealistic because I cannot imagine a person not warning their two yes. best friends in the world. But then I also, but I it tracks a, for her. Exactly. And like I picked up a, a little bit of an autistic vibe from Beth. And maybe that was just me reading it, but like she she doesn't pick up on social cues. like she's that. she's like very she socially
1: awkward, which I think is more maybe of her upbringing.
0: yeah with her
1: mother. When you guys read this book, you'll see what type of house she was raised in and she did she wasn't you know allowed outside and she was kept very much in the shadows by her mother. And was raised and perceived to be the perfect daughter slash servant to her mother. And so I think that definitely affected her social cues and her social awareness. And she just had a very, like, to me, black and white way of thinking. Yes, she was very, very black and white. Whereas Oslo and Mabel obviously live in the gray area trying to be different than what society perceives them to be and wants them to be, whereas Beth, she's a rule follower, which I sort of connected her upbringing with her mother, who is very strict, to her desire to kind of bend to the authority at Bletchley and, you know, really follow and take those rules very seriously. So that's kind of where i figured her her sexual cues came from yeah i see that too i just yeah. thought
0: it was so but
1: again unforgivable you should <laughs> yeah i like to know that
0: yeah to mab and osla for by the end rising above it because i could if never. i was mab i think i would have
1: thrown hands and never (laughs) been
0: friends with that person again yes
1: Uh, i i could it was unforgivable in in my opinion i was shocked i was shocked
0: yeah that was what sealed the deal on me for beth i was like you're kind of irredeemable i was neutral
1: yeah i was neutral on beth until that happened and then she was never as mr darcy says My good opinion, once lost, is lost forever. That is (laughs) God.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad we have a a Pride and Prejudice quote in here right off the bat.
1: Right off the bat. More to come, I'm sure. (laughs) Always. (laughs) Always.
0: So what else? This book, okay, we both said in our intro how much we love to travel, which is true, because I think we equally talk about traveling books and horses, that's kind of what all the majority of our conversations revolve around which are all the three
1: pillars of our friendship right there
0: basically (laughs) basically yes um but this has inspired us to take a trip to the real blushley park yes and i'm super excited because like i said i was deep into wikipedia and internet after reading this book and it just looks so cool like i can't even wrap my mind around
1: the code breaking and the things that they were doing that is one novel yeah that is one thing about this novel is whenever she was describing it i had no idea how i could even picture or begin to imagine how these workers and these great minds were able to just suddenly pick it up um just like for a little bit of background the people I wor- that works there, you know, Osla was picked for her language skills. She, you know, kind of grew up, of course, as this, you know, lady of society, so she was able to speak several languages, in- including German. So they recruited her for her German translation skills. And then Mabel was there kind of as a secretary, and Beth was recruited to be the code breaker because you know, she had a very sharp mind and one of the things that they tested her crossword skills like doing the crossword puzzles which is how they recruited a lot of code breakers because if you could break the crossword and you know under a certain time limit then you could then apply those same skills to breaking codes that does still doesn't translate for me just i'm Kate Quinn did a great job of describing how they broke the codes and and, you know, the three or five letter bunches that they had to decode. But I still, I know personally, I would not have been recruited to Bletchley yeah, Park. That is not how my mind <laughs> That is absolutely not how not. it works. Um, Even after
0: looking up the machines and, like, yes. going deep into how it worked,
1: I still, I, I was it's like, so beyond it does me. not compute. <laughs> it is so beyond me, which I... I understood. I made the connection because I saw the movie. It's an amazing movie called The Imitation Game with Benedict Cumberbatch. And it's about Alan Turing, who actually it kind of, like, appears every now and then in this book. Alan Turing mm-hmm. is a real person. Um, and he's the one who came up. He invented the bomb machines that they talk about and that Mabel eventually works on. And so if you want a little bit, I'm more of a visual person. Um, If you want a little bit of that background, I also recommend watching The Imitation Game either before or after this book because I feel like that helped me visualize it a little bit more. Otherwise, I would have been completely, completely lost.
0: Yeah, it was hard to wrap my mind around that. And then I also kept thinking back to like, I had never heard of any of this until I read this book.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, I,
0: I mean, I guess I knew there were
1: code breakers yeah,
0: and that like type of thing, the... but I had never heard of Bletchley Park or really how, like, integral that was yes. to the
1: war. They always and... say short, like, two to four yes. years. Yes. Yeah.
0: And how many women were the ones doing this? I was, like, looking up some... Things, um, interviews with the author and stuff, and it said in there that seventy five percent of the code breakers were female, which yes. I just think is awesome.
1: Because, because, well, if you think about it, all the men were on the front, um, right? So, I mean, girl power. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but uh, they weren't able to serve in that way. So this, this is like, I feel like the main way that the women served was behind, seemingly behind the scenes and in secret. That, you know, they didn't release the details of Bletchley Park until the 70s, I think. Because it was that super secret. And they went on to use those code-breaking skills and everything that they developed at Bletchley Park later on. They used those even after the war.
0: Which also props to all the people that worked at Bletchley Park. Because they had to be top secret about a lot of this. Yes. And I cannot keep secrets <laughs> like that if I was working either. on something about like an impending naval attack I would just want to shout it from the rooftops and tell everyone <laughs> yes. I know but exactly. they have to be so secret about it to the point where it, it you know ruins or almost ruins Mab and Osla and Beth's friendship because Beth keeps that secret about the impending attack and it goes on to right know, really change the trajectory of Mab's life so I get it on both sides, but just props props to them for having to do that. And back to the the point about a lot of them were female because they were in the war. I thought it was interesting how they had a, a male character in here, and his whole arc was how much flack he got for not being on the front lines. Yeah, because he was working at Blushley Park, he was. I can't remember what if he was a codebreaker or a translator or what, but he was there working. And they talked about how people would, like, in public come up and accost him and say, why aren't you in uniform? Why aren't you over serving? Like, you're just a pansy. Calling him all these horrible names because he wasn't in active duty. Right. And he just couldn't say anything because he is still working for the war effort just in a really top secret capacity. So he couldn't even really defend himself.
1: That was also fascinating to me. And I loved the way that she incorporated that character.
0: Yeah, like I never thought of it from that angle either about how much corn someone would have faced back then when all seemingly all the men were off to war. Um, Yes. That's what I love about Kate Quinn is I feel like she gets into a lot of layers and nuances and makes you think about characters and think about situations different than just face value. Absolutely. Um,
1: And every character has a purpose. Even the small side characters, they have a purpose like this, this character, Harry, who, you know, was, like you said, scorned by the general public because they didn't think he was contributing to the war effort when in fact he had an extremely important job that he couldn't talk about outside the gates of Bletchley Park. And the thing is, the three girls, of course, they all worked at Bletchley Park, but they were in different areas so they couldn't discuss it with each other. But that's how secret it was, which um, is just, just, yeah, I could not keep that. <laughs> I could not keep that yeah, secret. Yeah, like,
0: I just couldn't imagine, they all three lived together. They shared a, like, a boarding house, basically. And I can't imagine coming home and not being able to talk to my roommate about what I did right? that day or, or what, you know, especially if it's something super juicy. I would, of course, want to run home and tell my best friend Um so it would be really hard to do that. And I think that those things were kept secret until decades after the war.
1: Right. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like we said, we love to travel. We love to read. So it inspired the trip to Bletchley Park, which is hopefully next year next around spring. our birthdays. Yes, we both have birthdays in March a week apart. So hopefully that can be That's our birthday trip. That's another fun fact. <laughs> right? <laughs> fun fact about us. <laughs> um. And Kate Middleton actually reopened Bletchley Park not that long ago to the public because one of her ancestors actually worked there. So I thought that was really...
0: Yeah, that was another like royal family tie-in. I think it was one of her grandmothers yes. um, worked at Bletchley, Heart, or Bletchley Park in one of the huts. And so yeah, that's super cool. I can't wait to go and like see the machines, the Enigma machines and the code breaking machines up close. I think that'll really like hit it home because Kate Quinn did a really good job of visualizing it. But even when you're trying to listen or read, it's still hard to imagine like how large they were and how complicated they were. Especially when you think about, this was back in the forties, technology and computing mechanisms were totally different than what we have now. It's just really cool to think about that, you know, happening back then.
1: So should we cover the second part of the book? Because, of course, there's the war effort and Oswald yes. Mabel, and Beth coming together, forming this friendship, doing their, you know, respective roles at Bletchley Park. But then, of course, something happens that tears them apart. And as we've alluded to several times, Beth kept a secret that we (laughs) agreed it was unforgivable um so just really quick long story short mabel meets a war poet francis gray who i believe is based on war poets but he himself was not you know a real life figure and they get married for a very short period of time and then osla mabel Uh, Her new husband, Francis, and her daughter slash younger sister. (laughs) Well, she's the daughter that, you know, she had out of wedlock. So she posed as her younger sister her whole life. Went to the small country house of Francis because he was older. And they were there for the weekend. And Beth received, she broke a code that says the town that they were in was going to be bombed. So she knew this was going to happen and she saw the date which was the date that Mabel Osla, Francis they all went to this town but she didn't say anything to them she and just took, she took them to it. the train station yes took them yes. to the train station like waved them off knowing the secret but she had such faith in what they were doing that she believed it would stop like they would be able to stop it somehow and she also had such faith in what she was doing that She could not bring herself to tell them, which okay, Beth, but also you told them one of your super secret code breaker things earlier in the book, so you already broke that rule for something far less important than this. Their lives are on the line,
0: and And she could have, she chose not to, she could have warned them in a way that's not
1: telling them what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, like, it's yes. not breaking the integrity of the secret. It would not have yes. changed the overall outcome. It just would have changed their personal outcome.
1: I feel like they all understood the gravity of their situations. And if one of them had gone up to the other and said, don't do this, they would have just not done it. No questions asked because they were like, exactly. you know, they were probably I would anyway, like, Sydney, if you and I were at Bletchley Park in different huts and you came up to me, you said don't go to london today i'd be like all right i won't go to london she must know something you know Um, exactly but again we don't think beth really took those social cues so she kept the secret to herself and the town that they were in ended up being bombed and francis mabel's husband and her daughter were both killed that was the most horrible thing. That was when I texted you, and I was like, to. <laughs> "Why did you make me read this?" I was I know, you were not in tears. happy. Tears. I I had to put the book aside. It was terrible, and I think one of the worst parts was not only people lose her husband and her daughter in the same day, right in front of her face. It happened right in front of her, which was just. I mean, Kate, the way you wrote that scene just broke my heart. Yeah. but Ozla had been carrying Mabel's daughter and lost track of her yeah. and she ran back to the house during the bombing raid and so then Mabel blames Ozla for her death and you know in conjunction for Francis's death so that's how Mabel and Ozla's friendship broke up And then Beth kept the secret for the longest time. And it eventually comes out. And then that's how the three of them all, you know, kind of end their friendship. Mabel and Osla keep working at Bletchley Park until it's closed after the war. But then Beth, she has a different ending (laughs) to her story. So
0: Beth was really good at her job, at the code-breaking stuff. Like, she took to it like a fish to water and she could break things that other people had to have to work on a long time and it by the end almost became an obsession to her like she was so good at it she was enjoying I think she was enjoying feeling normal and feeling successful versus her upbringing where her mom just told her that she was worthless pretty much her whole life Yes, and it became like an obsession that she had to break the next coach. She she could not stop until she broke whatever she was working on, and it kind yes. of drove her into madness in some extent. Or that's how that's exa- definitely how it was perceived because exactly the other people yes. around her were perceiving her as like unhinged, off the rails. I think she maybe was, well, I think she was like a little bit, not as bad as as to be institutionalized, which is eventually what ends up happening to her. But yeah, she definitely kind of spiraled there at the end.
1: I think Kate Quinn did a good job making you question Beth's state of mind at the end because she does mention other characters, side characters, you know, inconsequential that were institutionalized or were driven mad and had to go on long periods. Of, you know of taking a break mm-hmm. so it made you question is Beth this way or is this like is she actually spiraling like those other characters or is she just that obsessed with her job to get the net to break the next code to beat the Germans and to do all this so Kate Quinn did a really good job with making the reader question that at least I questioned it and Ab- then absolutely set it up perfectly for the main antagonist other than, you know, the Germans um to come in and frame beth for needing to be institutionalized because she discovered a secret that could, you know, blow up the whole operation.
0: Right. So beth figures out that there is a traitor amongst Bletchley Park and someone who's feeding information to the other side. And that person finds out that Beth knows and then starts to frame her. And then Oswald and Mab are also kind of roped in because they're called in to ask and testify, like, do you think she's of sound mind? Is she still okay? And, of course, this is right after they have found out that Beth knew about Coventry and the English countryside raid and didn't warn them. So tensions are very high.
1: Yes. And... Mab, Mab definitely sure. wanted to throw her under that bus. And she did. She, she did for sure. But did. you know what, Mab? I would have too. I don't blame yeah, her. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame her at all. I mean, I hated it cuz I was like, "Oh gosh." Yeah. And Oslo, Oslo was like, like
0: "Oh." <laughs> She's like, "I don't know what to do." Like she didn't she didn't want to lie to them, but yes. she also felt more guilt. But yeah, Mab was kind of no-holds-barred there, which I get. Um, so that leads to Beth being institutionalized and then that brings it more to the present day, which is the countdown to the Royal wedding, which, yes. you know, I finally did pick up on <laughs> <there>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: And, After saying Princess Elizabeth enough times, <laughs> yeah. Well, I knew no. I knew that was. I knew
0: it was that royal wedding. I just hadn't put together that the
1: oh the past the Philip the that
0: Ozla was talking to okay. was like the
1: prince, <laughs> one and the same. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's what I didn't. Pick. I was like, oh my gosh, that's real.
1: So then, yeah. in the present day, 1947, obviously the war is over. Life is getting back to a more normal. Um, pace and queen elizabeth and prince philip are about to get married when osla and mabel both get a coded message from beth from her institution she's been institutionalized for what three and a half years at this point and they get a code from her they both break it and beth is essentially like you owe me so now it's up to osla and mabel to come together and figure out do they believe beth or has she gone crazy in this mental institution after so many years? So the, the part where they have to be like, you know, she lied to us so many years ago. She basically ruined Mabel's life. Do we believe her and help her and risk everything? Or do we just let it go? What would you have done if you had received, if I had been institutionalized? Okay. <laughs> and I <say> this code, <laughs> would you believe me? And and you know come to help me or would you have let it go
0: I for sure would have had to come see you I'm real nosy thank you and so I would at least want to know I knew we got to see face to face and I got to see what's up so no I would at least come visit you and then i would decide and then (laughs) is this is this bitch worth helping or not (laughs) after she ruined my life and killed my
1: husband yeah i knew that's what you would say i knew (laughs) your desire to know what was going on would all right so i know i can count on you in the future if i'm institutionalized (laughs) wrongly (laughs) absolutely but i
0: do love that they were able mab especially to put aside. Yeah, the conflict of before and come together and help her, and that they took her seriously.
1: Yes, um, it because
0: it is so easy to write off people in an institution. And like you said, Kate Quinn did a really good job of. Is she really in reality, or what's going on? Right. Um, and at this so... point,
1: Ozla is. She has a writing job. She's writing a piece for a paper, and she's engaged to somebody else mab is married to somebody else with you know children so Mm -hmm. they you know their respective new husband and new fiance didn't know anything about their lives before so they had to lie to all these people to go help Beth. so that's like another facet that you know they put those relationships at risk to go help this person who hurt them so many years ago and see if it was true
0: but i also love that it's such like a sisterhood and a brotherhood that they hadn't spoken to each other in years. Yes. But it's like, you still answer the call when your best friend from your childhood that you don't talk to, or your yes. friend from college or whoever, someone that you've fallen out of touch with It's like in their moment of need, you're still going to come to them no matter what has happened. And I yeah. really liked
1: I love that, that aspect too. of it too, because it is yes. realistic.
0: Like even when there's people that you have done you wrong, you know, you as a, a A person with a heart you're still gonna go try and help them and then the twist I love that they got to figure out the twist at the end and that they called in some of the old fleshly parts yes that was to come in and help them
1: yes Um, so fast forward really quickly of course you know Mab and Ozla go help Beth they break her out of you know the, the institution that she's in but previously the person who was the traitor and got beth in this situation went to visit her and you realize that spoiler alert you know we've gone through so many spoilers at this point if you're still here (laughs) (laughs) you know props to you thanks for listening but um we come to find out that Ozla's new fiance is the traitor from bletchley park which that threw me me that too threw and me. I
0: <laughs> also was kind of like that's gross because yeah yeah <laughs> the way he like was like a described... good character yeah the way he was described at Bletchley I was like I don't like no. this guy no he's like...
1: like creepy scummy yeah
0: like I pictured him with one of those like curly cue mustache that he yes just,
1: like sits me too. and twirls and yeah evilness. and oily hair
0: yeah yes and like yeah that's just not Oslo, I pictured it as this, like, beautiful debutante well, socialite, yes. which she was. And I was just like, she's in love with that guy? But that's, she, yeah, she's given yucky. up at the end
1: because of, you know, Philip marrying right. Queen Elizabeth. So but, they break.
0: Cause I, I also love what back to the, like, Philip tie-in at the end. I love that she called him at the end and he helped pull some strings. And that even uh, though it didn't work yeah. out with them...
1: They were able and to stay friendly. They still, yeah.
0: yeah, they were still friends and she was like, listen, I know that she did him wrong or, you know,
1: she was the one yeah. that kind of ended
0: it with him, but sh- he still came through for her. And I just liked that little hint of friendship that they
1: had. Oh, I loved, loved that ending because I was heartbroken. I knew they weren't going to end up together, obviously. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, know, we <laughs> but, know how the story ends. Exactly. But... We know who he ends up with. Um, But yeah, I loved that sort of happy ending for them that they were able you know to stay friends so they they break Beth out and she has to solve one last code and they bring in all the old people they call all across the country you know Alan Turing all these people and they all answer the call and come in and help them break the code to figure out who the traitor is because we as the reader find out who it is Before they do, before the characters do. That was really cool to see everybody come back together like that. And then you do get that closure because that's how we got the closure with Ozla and Philip. That's how you kind of get the closure with Mabel and her new husband and Beth and her (laughs) married man, um, which is not my favorite, but you know, you get closure all around, which I'm all about that. And it ends up very. It's just like a nice, tidy, happy ending. It is, but it's not. It it felt realistic. And like, very realistic. I, it's not like everybody's best friends again, and they go on and have tea every Saturday. You know, it's it is very right. realistic. It's like they close that chapter of their lives together. They all kind of move on. Yeah, and it's like, all right, see ya, maybe never. And right, you know, like it's... you know, I like to think Ozla and Mab will have tea a couple times a year. Um, they also will probably never talk to Beth again, which I yes. don't blame them.
0: <laughs> I feel like Ozla might. I feel like Ozla
1: would maybe Ozla, be the glue like, with she her bletchley blethering
0: tie-in. I feel like she'll be the yes. one to write letters and check in on people. She
1: is the Emma Watson of the trio, which...
0: That, okay, that is a perfect segue to talk about the movie casting because okay. I wrote down Emma Watson for Oslo. Yeah. Number one, that's who I have. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that this is so meant to funny. be.
1: This is meant to be. That is an excellent choice. Yeah. I had Lily James. So if okay. if there is just you know for listeners, if there is like a TV, I hope it's a TV show personally because then it can be longer and you can get Thanks. more of the details going than a movie. Otherwise it need to be like at least a four or five hour movie for me. Because it be it's a
0: thick the screen. In some fashion. Yeah.
1: Six hundred pages. I'm hoping for a TV show. But if we could cast the main characters, Sydney, you said Emma Watson for Osla. I feel so I've, ashamed that I didn't think of her.
0: Listen, this was hard and it I was. wrote down several options okay. and I was Googling actresses because I'm not we're not we're not old. We're only twenty seven, but I don't you know, like Rachel McAdams was the first one that came to my mind.
1: Oh, she's there a, too. Yeah, The like
0: notebook era. Right. But well, I was she's... also like, okay, that was like fifteen years ago.
1: Oh, that makes me feel old.
0: I know. So <laughs> then I was like, okay, I, I was literally Googling like younger
1: actresses. <laughs> actresses. <laughs> <kind> of creepy. <laughs> but
0: I couldn't think brothers. yes, I couldn't come up with anyone like <laughs> In the 20th yeah. range, which is what these characters are. Like, Oslo was 18 yeah. Oh the my god! era. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, we gotta that, look yes. at okay. some, some younger people.
1: I did um, Lily James, which she is not 18. But she, I think because she has inhabited these roles before. She yeah. is Rose from Downton Abbey, you know, that just the effervescent presence. She's in Mamma Mia. She's the louder than life character in Mamma Mia too. She's in the potato peel pie guernsey. I oh, totally yes, butchered yes. that yeah. <laughs> that movie. <laughs> Where I didn't know that she's her, but yeah. Yeah, she's trying to prove herself. So she has inhabited that role so many times, but she's also broken out of it. You know, props to her. But that is just immediately who I picked be this, you know. Larger than life character, very vivacious, very witty, um, but also kind of society tries to pigeonhole her into that. So, I pictured Lily James. I think Emma Watson is a very good choice, also. She's
0: got that grit. Like I was having to picture someone that is stunningly beautiful, but I was also like, can and she's have the grit, <laughs> yes, and the they're not just a pretty face, basically, yes. Aspect. And so I was like, Hermione. He yes yeah she's beautiful (laughs) and she's smart yes and then i also put down um vanessa kirby who is the girl that played in the crown played uh princess margaret in the younger years i just thought she was beautiful i love her i don't know i just
1: when i saw her
0: character and watched that i was like i have never seen this actress before yeah but she just
1: Oh, she's she just amazing. seems so
0: cool for that time period. And I'm like, she yes. would, definitely has the debutante vibe. And she had some steel and backbone to her, too. Oh, absolutely. In that role. Yes. so. Oh, that that's a good I one. Of.
1: I like that one, too.
0: Yeah. What about Mab or Mabel?
1: Okay. She was the hardest one for me. And I can't tell you why. Okay. I thought I came up with her pretty quick. But... Really? So the only one I could come up with, because the thing about Mav is she's tall and Uh (laughs) I think that's the part that threw me Um, so I couldn't come up with to to play her but I thought Gwendolyn Christie who plays Brienne of Tarth in Game of Thrones anybody any other Game of Thrones fans out there
0: if Um, she was like
1: (laughs) (laughs) she was like 10 years younger because she's gorgeous just absolutely gorgeous And I felt like she kind of could embody Mab's, like, spirit, where Mm -hmm. she, you know, a big storyline or part of Mab's storyline is how tall she is. And, you know, she kind of feels awkward, but she also owns that. And Gwendolyn Christie is very tall. And so I could, and she's also very chic. And they always talk about Mab being very chic. Yes. Um, so that is just like her spirit is what captured that for me, Gwendolyn Christie's spirit, and like kind of her confidence in her body and, you know, being taller than some of the men in the room. She owns that. So that's why I, if she could be 10 to 15 years younger, I would love to see her in that role. Otherwise, I like it. <laughs> I came up empty. <laughs> so
0: I put down Jennifer Lawrence. Just oh my because gosh! Of course, yeah, like
1: she could she do has, it.
0: Yeah, she. I don't even know how tall she is, but to me, she has like tall girl energy, and she's beautiful. But she's also that... like funny.
1: Yes, I was gonna make it inappropriate. I, was... I know, I know where you we're gonna go. <laughs> yeah, tall
0: girl energy. Yes, is a new vibe. That, okay, yeah, that's a new vibe, ladies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> tall girl energy. I love that.
0: So. I got. I put her and oh, then I love that. Brie Larson. Oh, who yes. Also, just has the same. She I has. Know, she tall girl has energy. Like, yeah, and the look of Mab to me of like they're both beautiful,
1: but like but I also
0: they've got some like a, like a hardness. Yes, because Mab is
1: definitely hardened and she's no nonsense. And I feel yes. like Jennifer Lawrence and Brie Larson could totally, you know, come across as that. They would nail that. Oh, good choices. For sure. Excellent. Beth was the
0: hardest for me. Man, I struggled with this. I mine So is I like, wanna know who
1: you put. <laughs> mine is like very obscure. Um, okay. and I only came up with it when I was scrolling through Netflix today. So you watch the show Bridgerton, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. So Claudia Jesse is the actress who plays Eloise Bridgerton, the sister to the dark. I yeah, the dark hair. hair. Yes. She's friends with the writer. Is you know? she the next younger? The next? Yes, yes, yes. yes yeah, yes. she's the one who doesn't want to be married and she wants to go live her life. Yes, I don't okay. know why, but I body that because you know they always talk about how like small and quiet Beth is, and she kind of played like the quiet background character who then. You know, learn to voice her opinion and kind of grew into the person that she wanted to be. So I could see her pulling that off, but I could also see her, you know, being that playing the super wicked, like smart person. Yeah. Um, I like that. That's yeah. a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Netflix. <laughs> My inspiration.
0: <laughs> so I also put down two for Beth. First, Emma Stone. Okay, and, so I and,
1: thought about Emma Stone because I was like, she's got to be in here somewhere because she's great, just right?
0: I feel like she also can do the awkward thing really yeah. well, and Beth yeah. is like super socially awkward. And then I also put Kristen Stewart because I don't know the awkward
1: because of the look, the awkward, and I feel yeah, like oh that's a good one spiral really well. Yeah, <laughs> like- Kristen Stewart, we've seen it before on screen,
0: Ex- exactly. So I'm like these actresses. Not that the that's others don't, one. but I'm like they. I think they they could play a crazed person. They're
1: solid spiralers. Yeah. yeah, if that's you've how seen the best favorite. At the and, end. Yes. Oh, those are good yeah. ones too. Excellent choices. Listen, I
0: hope overall, that somebody at Netflix listens to this when yes. it's time to make that TV show because we have your lineup. Yes. This. I
1: was like, overall, you know, we have a pretty solid cast. So those are the main three. I also mm-hmm. thought about some of the side characters. Okay. Um, Francis, who would you pick yes. as Francis? Um, I put Chris Evans, Captain America.
0: <laughs> he, He's not attracted. I thought he was. I don't know. I fell in love with Francis. He I did too, I loved but him.
1: I mean oh I would happily watch Chris Evans all day in any role. So I would totally I would totally okay. be down for that.
0: I don't know what the book said about it, but in my mind, he was like a handsome dashing, no. soldier <laughs> no. type that was just precious. but
1: Chris Evans could play Oslo's. Eventual, he, could play, he could play like, like
0: a hard Scrabble hardened
1: war poet, yeah, yeah, I think he could. He could be broody. Oh, he is! Bro- I could, I could get down yeah. with a broody Chris Evans. See, I put either Alan Leach from Downton Abbey. Um, okay. You can tell I'm going with my the tried and true period piece actors, I or Matthew Good, who oh, plays. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, he can I'm- pull off the broody. Of course, I think he's very handsome. Um, Both
0: of them are handsome. See, You're yes. Being- he doesn't have yes.
1: to be ugly. So I think one of, I would love to see one of those two. Alan Leach is obviously a little bit younger in the face. I don't know. Mm-hmm. In real life, but he would be if you wanted to go like for the younger, younger look. So I liked those two. What <laughs> other were, minor characters? Both are downtown you... Abbey. Um, I cast Philip okay. in my mind. Um, I put down Joe Alwyn because okay, you know, like a young, <laughs> <laughs> right? A young sailor, Philip, you know, dating Ozda, going out about the town, not having the cares that he does once we meet him in the crown. I would love to see. I just love Joe Alwyn, you know, Taylor Swift. Oh, you me. are yeah, a lucky, literally. lucky girl. Um, so I that's just who I pictured.
0: I just was picturing like the Prince Philip of the younger crown. Era. I yeah, so
1: my immediate thought so, was Matt Smith. And I was like, okay, yeah. but he's <laughs> You know, he's already done that. He probably can't reprise the role. So yeah, then I there, immediately went to Joe owen Yeah. But if it was Netflix, it
0: would be a good crossover moment. <laughs> right? Okay, so I also thought about Giles. Ew, yeah. Gross one yes. that ends up being the traitor. And this hurts me to say it because I love this actor. I was picturing, like, a Stanley Tucci, which I know he's probably too old for. Yeah. But I just feel like he can do a mustache could, villain. The mustache down. He would, yes, yes, down pat. He can do that. And
1: so. So, no. So, the, whole, the person I was picturing the whole time is. Hold on. I have to Google his name because I only know him as Faramir from Lord of the Rings. If anybody has caught on, I'm a super nerd. So. <laughs> So, yeah, that's what we're dealing with here. But then he's also... So, David Wynnum. He was also in the movie Australia with Hugh Jackman. He was kind of a scummy guy in that. And that is why I pictured him. Yeah, I see that. He looks like a scumbag. Yeah, that's who I would cast and who I pictured the entire time I was reading as Giles. So, yeah, Netflix, hit us up. Hulu, Amazon, whoever picks us up. Apple TV. I we got you. Yes,
0: (laughs) I really hope this makes it to the big screen in some form or fashion because it has to,
1: it has to, right? I am
0: here for it,
1: PBS. We got you, you know, anybody.
0: (laughs) If these actresses and actors are listening, pitch this idea. Read the book. Kate Quinn, make a screenplay. Yes. Give people what they want.
1: (laughs) Give us a little shout out. Yeah. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, that's our take on the Rose Code. Spoilers abound. We also, I feel like, left a lot to be discovered in the journeys of these characters. Yeah, hopefully it piqued your
0: interest to learn more than just this short abbreviated version of what we gave you.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: I know Imitation this one game I can reread. Everybody.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like,
0: I listened to it on Audible, but I also want to go buy it next time I'm in a bookstore because I did love it that much.
1: I told everybody i know to read it after like if they ask me for any sort of recommendations it's at the top of the list yes absolutely well this was
0: fun we got our first episode under our belt
1: i hope everybody enjoyed and if you enjoyed the rose code let us know if you have any you know similar recommendations kate quinn all of her books are fantastic so you can't recommend them enough we'll probably talk about another one the future um but yeah any recommendations let us know
0: yes and if you liked what you heard today please give us a follow you can find us on instagram at life and lit pod and also be sure to rate review and subscribe to the podcast because that helps us know what to talk about what you like and helps us get our message out there more so Thank you all for listening and we'll be back next week.
1: All right. Talk to you guys next week.